Welcome to the Nimrod Outdoors podcast, where we challenge and equip men, husbands, and fathers to become the spiritual leaders of the home. Let's dive right in. This is Chelsea with Nimrod Outdoors, and I am just wanting to reach out and say we are looking for some business partners. And what that looks like is a business or an individual who wants to sponsor the ministry for $100 a month. And with that, you get your own place on the website where people can check you out, as well as click on links to your uh, Instagram, Facebook, website, whatever it is, your contact info. But then we also want to start giving you guys shout outs on our podcast. Um, So if you're interested, in becoming a business partner or learning more about it, please check us out at our website at nimrodoutdoors.com. Um, or you could also send us an email at contact at nimrodoutdoors.com. Thanks so much. What's going on, guys? This is M.A. Dozier with the Nimrod Outdoors podcast. We are glad you are sticking with us for part two of mine and Chelsea's story of how God has called us to ministry. Um, and our hope and prayer is that th- through part one and part two, um, we make it evident that God is calling you to something. And we want to encourage you on how to get started. Uh, but before we get going, uh, Chelsea's going to do a little recap of part one for you guys. And then we'll dive right into part two. Hey, everybody. Yeah, so let's see. Last week, we talked about um, really how the ministry got started. Um, In 2014 was our first round of ministry events, and we just kind of kept chugging along and uh, were blessed with properties and also faced a lot of challenges. And so if you haven't listened to that, then I highly encourage you to go back and listen to part one of the story. Um, But basically, we went all the way up until, what was it, 2019? 2018, yeah. 2018, we did our last ministry season um, of hunting events, and we did four or five deer season events that year. And at that point, I was pregnant with our second child. Our daughter was two years old. We had um, ended up with a new property, which was incredible, but we couldn't find any like housing facility right there near the property. So at this point, we were doing all of our events out of the hotel rooms, um, local hotel rooms, and uh, trying to to organize food and meals and us doing our devotions and all of that, we were just exhausted. And um, M.A. was just wanting to keep chugging along because that's his personality. But for me, I was like tired and exhausted and overwhelmed. And I said, M.A., I don't know if I can keep doing this. And so that's kind of where our story left off with part one. Um, um, when God starts to move in your life, he begins to stir some emotions, like he stirs the pot a little bit. And uh, when you begin to take the steps toward him, you start to find this peace. Even when there's chaos all around you, you start to feel this peace. And so that's kind of what part two is going to be about um, and the wild ride that comes with it. So I'm going to give it back to May. Yeah, so as Chelsea said, um, I'm, I'm hard-headed and I'm a man, and so I just want to keep pushing forward. Um, and she had come to me and expressed her... Uh, concern and her exhaustion level of trying to be the administrator for the ministry, uh, take care of meals, and take care of our kids. Um, And honestly, I didn't want to hear it. I I was, you know, I'm like, man, God has called us to this, and I want to keep pushing forward. Um, But being a good husband, I had to be attentive to my wife. Um, I pushed back on her quite a bit, just thinking, okay, if I just keep pushing her, 
Um, I'll just get her over this this hurdle or uh, this kind of roadblock, and and we could keep on going. But um, in reality, what I needed to do was set step back and kind of reevaluate uh, where we were, um, because my main ministry as a man, husband, and father is to my family. And so if I am stepping over and basically leaving my family in the dust in order to pursue a another ministry, which is very important and God has definitely called us to, but if I, if I am leaving my family in the dust, uh, to pursue something else, I'm not doing my primary role as father and husband. Um, and so that's where God basically had to bring me to. Um, and, uh, I was conflicted because, um, I just wanted to keep going. I was enjoying what we were doing. Um, it's something that I had dreamed about for years, but in reality, uh, we had basically come to a wall. Um, and that wall was, uh, either we stop doing what we're doing or we find a way to get over that wall. Um, and I didn't have the answers for that. I, I was very, um, conflicted. And like I said, I, I spent a lot of time, uh, just praying and asking God like, Hey, you know, how do we move this thing forward? How do we get beyond where we are now? Um, because where we were was, was kind of, we were just stuck. We were in a rut. Um, it was great and it was awesome. Uh, but I knew God had called us to more, but in my mind, in order to do more, uh, I had to, you know, my wife had to just basically say, well, exhaustion is just part of it. Nothing in that scenario there was good. Um, and so we, uh, individually and together, Chelsea and I began praying and, and saying, all right, Lord, what does this look like? And how do you want us to move forward? And, and how can we continue to pursue this ministry you've called us to, but it also can continue to be healthy for uh, our marriage um, and our family and raising our kids. And that's just when some key conversations began to start happening. I, I guarantee you the Holy Spirit was involved in every one of them uh, because they were unwarranted. We were not looking for these conversations. Uh, they actually came and sought us out. Uh, two of those conversations actually happened on that last weekend um, that we did a hunting weekend uh, in 2018. And one, both both of those individuals now are on our board of directors. Um, but I, we, we mentioned them in the last uh, part one. Uh, the first one was Mark. Uh, he had brought his two sons hunting and, and he just, he kind of pinned me down inside a, a car on the way back to the hotel one night and just said, you need to be doing this as much as you can. Uh, and the second one was Michael who had come on a volunteer basis just to kind of see how the ministry ran and what we did. Uh, and less than 24 hours after Mark had his conversation with me, Michael was sitting across from us uh, in a cookout restaurant in Statesville, North Carolina, and basically just challenged uh, Chelsea and I to, to say, hey, uh, you need to be doing this as much as you can because you were making a difference in the kingdom of Christ. And I think uh, for me, like it was a, basically exciting that people were believing in us. But uh, it was also uh, terrifying because I didn't know the next step to take. I think for Chelsea, um, it was more of just like overwhelmingness. Like she didn't know, uh, she heard it, and but I think she was just so overwhelmed that it just became more of a burden than it was anything else. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it was a burden, but <laughs> um, it was definitely overwhelming because I was like, well, how do we keep doing this like now we've got this amazing property and so in my mind I was thinking are we moving up to Elkin like are we coming to the middle of North Carolina and um and I think it definitely raised a lot of questions in both our minds and 
uh, it began to, again, like stir in our hearts and I guess make us start thinking about what the next steps would be. So to back up a little bit, um, prior to 2018, actually in the very beginning of 2018, I took a job at the church that Chelsea and I had been going to for several years, uh, Brevard Community Church, and I took a job as the facilities and operations pastor. I was also head of men's ministry there uh, for a time, and uh, we we loved it there. Um, it was something that I enjoyed doing. I was doing ministry, um, and it was it was a great uh, atmosphere for me and my family. Um, and we never really saw ourselves leaving Brevard, North Carolina. Um, you know, I, I had always dreamed about ministry and working for a church, and so this was something that was kind of fit right in. Uh, and we could do Nimrod Outdoors, uh, kind of coinciding with my job at Rivera Community, um, and it was great, uh, but talking about the key conversations, uh, late fall of 2018, after we'd finished those weekends, um, and those two, uh, Mark and Michael, had had conversations with us as well, uh, I came back to work after one of those weekends, and uh, my direct supervisor, who was the executive pastor, um, Nathan, uh, came up to me and he said, hey, let's go to lunch. And uh, that was not out of the ordinary. I was like, no problem. Kind of got my things wrapped up that morning. We went to lunch and I remember him sitting across the table from me and just saying, hey, wh- what has God called you to do? Um, and I, I just looked at him and I said, well, I feel called to do ministry. And he said, oh, okay, that's great. But what kind of ministry has God called you to do? Um, and what Nathan was doing in that moment, and I didn't necessarily remember it or realize it at the time, but um, he was trying to pry out that my heart was for the ministry of Fathers and Sons and Nimrod Outdoors. And basically through that conversation, Nathan challenged me to have a conversation with Chelsea about uh, pursuing the ministry of Nimrod Outdoors full time, uh, which was, again, an exciting thing for me, but it was also terrifying in the fact of I didn't know the next step. Um, but he told me, he said, the wisest thing you could do is just go home and pray. Um, and so I began praying over the next couple of weeks of what that looked like. And uh, I actually hadn't mentioned anything to Chelsea yet. Um, but God began stirring in my heart that uh, if we were going to pursue uh, Nimrod Outdoors on a full-time capacity. Uh, we needed to get get free of any financial burden we had or as much as we possibly could. Um, and so God started stirring in my heart that we needed to sell our house, um, which uh, if you get to know me or you eventually get to know me, um, that's a big thing. I remember when we bought that house, I told Chelsea, I said, this is my forever home. I am not leaving. Um, actually, I think I said, I'm not leaving unless God moves me. <laughs> yep. Um, and, uh, uh, oh, but what did he do? He, he definitely moved me, but we were there in that house for seven years. Chelsea and I had remodeled top to bottom, every aspect of that house. And we made it ours. I, I think we literally had just finished like the last project of our house. Like we had made this really nice fire pit in the backyard. Like every room had been done, our floors, everything like had been completely remodeled. And we're like, Oh, sweet. Our house is done. Yeah. And then I come to her and I'm like, hey, Chelsea, I think God's calling us to sell our house. Um, And the look on her face was just like utter disbelief. Um, And honestly, she she gave a little pushback. She was like, no, she said, this is my home. I'm not I'm not moving my home. Uh, or leaving or selling my home to get another home. And in this moment, uh, my heart was not for us to pack up and move, um, you know, to another town or another state or anything. My goal was still to stay in Brevard, 
but our goal was to get out of the debt that we had, buy something and either get debt free or be able to get debt free as quick as possible, um, get out of some student loan debt and all that. That was our heart. Um, and so I kind of just had that first conversation with her that, um, you know, obviously her and I were not on the same page. Um, and I, you know, I just kind of let her sit with it. Um, and I began praying. I said, Lord, I said, if this is your will, I need you to make my wife understand what your will is because I can't do it. Um, every time I tried to have a conversation about this, it got emotional. Um, and it, it was, it was a tough conversation to have. Um, and so I just pleaded with God to say, Hey, if, if this is what you want, I'm leaving this in your hands to, uh, speak to my wife on this behalf. Um, and it wasn't, but about maybe a week or two later, uh, Chelsea came to me and said, Hey, um, I feel like you're right and we need to sell our home. And so at that process, we didn't put our home in the market uh, because we needed to find another place. So we started looking for houses. Um, and what, man, I'm going to tell you what, when you start looking for houses, you talk about getting overwhelmed. I mean, you know, every time something came on the market, we'd go look at it. Uh, we were traveling, you know, always putting kids in the car to go look at new houses. And we saw a lot of really nice properties, but nothing that really we felt like the Lord was like, this is it. Um, there was definitely some properties there that we could have sold our house and got debt free on. Um, but we continued to struggle with feeling the peace of God saying, hey, this is it. This is what I've called you to. I feel like, too, we were still holding on to a sense of comfort. Um, like at this point I was working from home, um, just doing like part-time job from home. I was, I had two little ones at home. Um, and so we were blessed with the opportunity for me to be home, but I think there was still like, I had started a mom's group and I had a, a huge attachment with this group of moms. And, um, my grandmother had a couple years before I had moved to the area and we spent a couple days with her and I knew she was elderly and the kids brought her so much joy. So just the thought of like leaving my family and leaving friends was terrifying. And so I was like, okay, you know what? I'm making a sacrifice by giving up our home. Um, but there's still like a lot of comfort that we were holding on to with the security of, being in an area we are familiar with, um, with, with the job, with just friends and family. And so I think we are still in our minds. We're like, Oh, we're making this, this huge leap of faith. But really we were just kind of taking little baby steps. Um, and thinking like, we're still, you know, like we're, we're just, we're holding on to comfort. There was actually one day we were looking at, you know, like way smaller houses. I mean, we were, we were selling our home, which was just about two miles outside of downtown um, Brevard, North Carolina. And so like we knew we could get a, a decent amount of money. So we're like, oh, you know, we downsized. We could get some property with a trailer or like a mobile home or something, um, a modular or something. And we're downsizing. We're making a sacrifice, giving up this this house, this beautiful house that we have. And uh, there was actually one day that I was driving. There was a lot of times that the kids and I, we would, we would drive around and look at houses while Amay was working. And um, my daughter at this time was about, what was she, three? Like three years old. And so I was like, Ridgely, you know, we're going to look at another house. And she was like, okay. And she would, you know, three-year-olds, they ask a lot of why questions. So it was like, why? And it's like, well, because, 
God's telling us we need to find a new home. Well, why? And so we would just have that conversation. And so at this moment, we were going to look at a little modular, some, you know, like 20 minutes away or something. And she's in the back seat of the car and I plug in the address into the GPS and we're sitting there driving along. And um, Ridgely and I are having that critical conversation. And I was like, Ridgely, how about we pray about it? And she goes, okay, mommy. And so, you know, I'm driving down the road praying that God would tell us if this was the house or not and and so we say amen and within like 30 seconds gps says and you know you can change the voices on your gps mine was a boy voice <laughs> and, and so gps is like turn left here and ridgely just starts flipping out she's like mommy 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 God just told us to turn here. Like, he's telling us it's the house. And I was like, oh, goodness. No, <laughs> it's just the GPS. But um, it, it was an adventure, that's for sure. Yeah, and so we, uh, I think we had worn ourselves out and worn our kids out um, looking for homes. Um, and in reality, Chelsea hit the hit the nail on the head. The fact was, was, God had called us to, to sell our house, um, but we hadn't asked him what we needed to do further. Um, and so in our minds, we were making some grand sacrifice for the ministry uh, to sell our house, uh, but we were not doing what God had called us to do. Um, and I remember having a conversation. I called my dad, and I was like, Dad, I, I said, I am wore out. I am uh, frustrated. I said, I, I just... We've been looking for homes, looking for homes, and nothing is working out. Um, and I, I said, I just don't, I don't know what to do anymore. And I remember my dad just saying, hey, have, have, have you asked God if you're meant to stay in Brevard, North Carolina? Um, and when he said that, it was kind of like the Holy Spirit just opened my eyes and was like, you know what, I, I haven't even asked that question. Um, and so I said, I said, no, I haven't even asked that question. My dad goes, well, how about you just start looking in the southeast? Um, is that a big enough spectrum for you to feel uncomfortable? And I was like, absolutely. I said, you know, I never even imagined leaving Brevard. And my dad said, well, I think you need to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to open your eyes to what he has called you to. Um, and I remember praying. Uh, and I remember I went and told Chelsea, I said, I said, I, I don't know if we're supposed to be in Brevard. Um, and she was like, well, where are we supposed to be? And I said, I have no idea. I said, but, you know, we need to at least open our hearts to the opportunity that that might be the what God's called us to. Um, and so that night, I literally just sat down at the computer and I googled hunting properties in the southeast. And the first property that showed up was a hundred acres with three two-bed, two-bath cabins in Elberton, Georgia. I'd never heard of Elberton, Georgia. I had no clue where Elberton, Georgia was. Um, but I was like, man, I was like, this is it. I was like, we could do all our hunting trips. I said, the lake is right, Lake Richard B. Russell's like three or four miles down the road. I said, we could lodge everybody and we could live in one of these cabins. Like, it was just like, oh, all right, this is it. And uh, I remember sending it to my dad. My dad was like, that's awesome. He was like, you think that's it? And I said, I don't know. But I still really hadn't told Chelsea about us moving yet to a different state. And so... So I saw this property and I was like, man, it's awesome. Um, but I still had yet talked to Chelsea about um, us moving to a different state. Um, and so I approached Chelsea with it and she was like, you know, no, I, I was okay with moving 
from our house to another house in Brevard, but I'm not sure I'm okay with this. Um, and I said, well, I said, we just need, we need to pray about it and think about it. Um, and I kept pushing her on it and to the point where I was like, we need to go look at this property. Um, and she was kind of not very sold on the matter, but I think she just said, okay. Uh, we worked with my parents, uh, to come hang out with the kids for a little bit. And we all went down, uh, one Saturday and looked at the property. Um, and I loved it. I was like, this is it. This has got to be it. Um, the financials were really steep. I mean, I, I don't think, uh, it was something that we could afford even if we sold our house. But I was like, God can make that work out. Um, and in this time, I think basically Chelsea's resolve and my resolve in this was we'll buy this property. It could be a place that we can make it be ministry headquarters. Um, and we would still stay in our little house in Brevard that we were going to buy to get debt free. And we could come down here for months at a time, run ministry weekends, and then head back up to Brevard, North Carolina to home and hang out there. Um, but again, that was us just holding on to more comfort. Um, we didn't want to let go Brevard, North Carolina. And so in this whole process, we started talking about it and looking at it. Um, and it just was not working out. Uh, the financials were not working out. Nothing was really working out in the manner. Uh, I think we actually made an offer on this property. Um, and the, the landowner was just like, there's no way you gotta, you gotta come up quite a bit more to make it work out. And so at this point, you know, I, I basically told Chelsea, I said, I don't know what to do. This was, this was kind of, for me, this was, the property. Um, and I said, I, I don't know how, how much more we can go of this. I, I said, I don't know how to proceed. Um, I remember about a week later, I had a conversation with one of our board members. Uh, his name was Matt and Matt said, you just need to sell everything and wherever you're going, wherever that is, you need to be all in. He said, if you're not all in, he was like, you're not really doing what God's called you to. Um, and I remember sitting there just thinking like, there's no way I'm going to get my wife to walk away from her family and, and move somewhere where we don't know anybody. Um, and I sat on that for about two weeks without even mentioning to Chelsea anything of where I was. Um, and about two weeks later, Chelsea came to me and just out of the blue said, Hey, I feel like God's telling us we need to move down to Elberton, Georgia. Um, and I was like, are you kidding me? And she was like, no, I, I feel like that's what God's called us to do. Um, and I, I wasn't even sold that she, <laughs> that that was what she wanted to do. So I told her, I said, Hey, I said, I'm going to give you a week to think about it. And after the next, after that week, she came back and she was like, yeah, we, we definitely need to do this. Uh, again, I was like, I don't know. I said, I'm going to give you another week. And my reasoning was, was because I didn't want her to do this just for me. Like if we were going to sell everything and we were going to move somewhere, um, I needed her to be a hundred percent on board, um, because I didn't want to get down to wherever we were going and then her be like, Hey, uh, you know, this isn't what I signed up for. So I gave her another two weeks or another week. And at the end of that two week period, she came back and she was like, no, God's definitely calling us to do this. We need to do it. Uh, this whole time I, I had seen a house for sale. Um, that was an interesting house. It was a 1910 farmhouse. It had a brand new three car garage, uh, a detached garage to it. Um, and it just looked like a cute property that would satisfy our needs. And I remember I, I said, when she said that, I was like, Hey, well, let me show you this property and see what you think.
Yeah, I'm pretty sure there were several times even before this conversation that you had tried to show me this house because you kept saying, you know, there's this really cute house in Elberton, Georgia. And I was like, I don't want to even look at it. Like, we're not moving to Elberton, May. Like, I don't want to see it. And uh, and so finally, like at this point, after prayer and God kind of stirring in my heart and just bringing clarity to my mind of like, if we're going to do this, we need to do it. But in the process, along with this, uh, we had a board member uh, that had been on the board for a couple of years. He had actually brought his twin boys on the deer hunt with us several years earlier. And uh, I approached him and I was like, hey, I was like, don't you go hunt down in Elberton, Georgia? And he was like, oh, absolutely. He said, my in-laws actually just bought a house down there. And I said, where at? Um, and he showed me on the map and it ended up being like nine miles from this house that we were looking at. Um, and so he was like, hey, I'll tell you what, y'all come down and stay with us. Um, we'll show you around Elberton, uh, show you kind of everything there is, uh, and show you the area, the lake, and then y'all could go look at that house. And so it was just a provision of the Lord for all that to take place. Um, and it'd only be nine miles from their in-laws house. And so we ended up coming down. Uh, we we uh, were actually looking at two different properties. Um, the first property was a property I think we just put on the list to um, make it make it seem like we weren't sold on this house. Uh, so we went and looked at it first. And I remember we went to lunch and then we were on our way out here um, and we turned on the road that it's on and Chelsea kind of got a little teary eyed. And, and I said, what's, what's up? And she said, this is it. And I said, we haven't even seen the house yet. And she was like, we don't need to see the house. She was like, I'm afraid that I'm in love and we haven't even seen it. And uh, we pull up and it's a, it's a great 1910 white farmhouse. Uh, and it just had everything we needed. It had the three-car garage with the upstairs to it that we could uh, remodel. And we did remodel into the bunkhouse. We'll get into that a little more. Um, it has three bedrooms upstairs, so we all stay upstairs. And then it had a master bedroom off to the side. And it actually has its own private entrance and exit to the side porch. Uh, and that was perfect for our heart for respite care for pastors and missionaries. Um, and crazy enough, uh, we were sitting on the front porch swings talking to the realtor. Um, and I was like, I don't understand why this, this place has not sold. And she said, well, you're in the middle of nowhere. And I was like, that's, that's exactly where I want to be. She was like, well, nobody wants to be in the middle of nowhere. Um, but at this point we hadn't even put our house on the market yet, um, or anything like that. And we'll conversations with her come to find out she was neighbors with my aunt and uncle back in my hometown of coming Georgia. Um, and so we had this kind of unique connection with that as well. Um, and so, uh, we basically got to the point of, she was like, I'm, I'm not trying to force you on anything. She's like, but if you want to make an offer, you know, this place has been shown, you know, pretty recently over the past couple of weeks. Um, so if you want to make an offer, you need to go ahead and put it in. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, I mean, this house was on the market for 18 months. And so, I mean, that seemed like a long time. And so I remember you sitting down, you know, and being real frank with her and being like, what is wrong with this house? Um, and cause you're like, how has this house been on the market for 18 months? And again, she said it's in the middle of nowhere, which it absolutely is. <laughs> um, another God thing with that story though, is that this house was actually painted kind of some crazy colors. Like there, one room was green, like John Deere green. One room was yellow. One room was red. The stairs were like red. And I'm not talking about, you know, like dark red. I'm talking like vibrant red. I mean, it seemed like every room was just this bright, vibrant color. Um, and so a lot of people would come in and they were intimidated by that. And so eventually their realtor, the homeowner's realtor was like, Hey, you guys need to paint this a more attractive color because 
people are turned off by the colors. And so it was only maybe a month or two before we ended up seeing the house um, that they ended up painting the whole house gray and, you know, like farmhouse gray. And so it fit the house perfectly. And so I think that's when people began to gain more interest in the house and, um, you know, praise God for that because I was taking my sweet time on making decisions on uh, moving and even being willing to come see this house. And so if this house was painted even a couple months beforehand, it would probably have been sold. Um, so God's provision there and just him working that out is pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember standing in the driveway uh, talking to our real estate agent and she she was kind of saying, hey, if you're going to make an offer, you need to go ahead and do it. And I said, I can't make an offer. We don't even have our house on the market in North Carolina yet. And she was like, well, you know, it takes a little while for offers to go through. So why don't you give me a number and we'll start working on it uh, starting of this week. This was a Saturday. Um, And uh, y'all could go up to North Carolina and start the process of putting your house on the market. Um, and I remember like, we didn't even make it home and she called and she was like, Hey, uh, they like your offer. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> I remember hanging up with her calling our real estate agent, Clint and was like, Hey, I need to get my house on the market. Um, I mean this house down here because it is in the middle of nowhere and the market's a lot different than Brevard. Um, it's a, we were upgrading like significantly, especially with square footage and property. Um, but it was quite a bit cheaper than what our house was or what it was worth, I guess. Um, but we had bought our house in North Carolina as a short sale. And so then we went and remodeled it. So the realtor, all the pictures he was seeing was prior to the remodel. And so I remember you telling him a number over the phone and he was kind of like, uh, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be worth that. But when he showed up and actually saw the upgrades and everything we had done over the years, um, he was like, well, I think we can hit this number. And uh, we we knew we needed just a little bit more than that because we wanted, again, to get that free. Um, we knew we'd end up with some sort of mortgage, but we wanted to pay off student loans and um, and just everything so that we just didn't have to carry that financial burden. Yeah, so um, we put our house on the market, and uh, I had negotiated with the house down here in Elberton, Georgia, that I needed as long of a closing time as possible because – we needed to sell our house in North Carolina. Um, and so I think I negotiated a 45 day closing period on the house in Elberton. And, uh, so that gave us basically a short amount of window to get our house sold in North Carolina. And we had 30 showings in 29 days, I think is, is what it ended up being. So poor Chelsea, I mean, I'm off at work and she's trying, she's got two young ones, uh, three and one year old running around the house and she's having to keep it clean. And I mean, keeping it clean and keeping it real estate show worthy clean are two different things. And I can remember like there were some days she had like two or three showings in a row where she just had to go do something with the kids basically all day. Um, and it was just, it was a wild ride and exhausting. I think we ended up closing on the two houses uh, within like three days of each other, which gave us time to close, get the money to buy this house in Elberton and get everything down here and do what we needed to do. Um, and so basically within about 45 to 50 days of coming down and looking at this house, we were down here in Elberton. Um, and 
when you start, let me tell you something, guys. When you start moving in the direction God wants you to, you better hold on because he does not waste time. And so even though we were dragging our feet, the moment we said, okay, we're all in, and we, we decided to dive head first in, um, man, things started to move. And it got a little wild. It got a little scary. And there was even times of like, I don't know how this is going to work out. Uh, but he made it work out the way that he chose it to work out. You know, like you had, it almost felt like we were blindsiding people because the decision just happened so quickly. Like this was the house. We knew this was it. Um, and it just, boom, like you were going into work and giving your two weeks notice. And I was sharing news with friends and family that, you know, like we're, we're moving. And, um, and it just seemed out of the blue for a lot of people. And luckily at that time, my job was able to travel with me. And so I was able to work from home, even from down here. Um, but you just were giving up your job and, I, I think you had maybe two or three weeks from up there that you were sending applications and resumes down here and it was just crickets. And so we were giving, like you were giving up your entire income, which was basically covering all of our needs. And we were moving several hours away to somewhere where we had no connections. We didn't know anybody. Um, I mean, our, our friends, in-laws had a part-time house down here so we got to see them some weekends but that was like the only familiar face that we had and so like again like we were giving up our financial security I mean at that point like oh there was conversations of like if you had to go work at McDonald's just to pay some bills like that's what we were going to do because we had nothing yeah I think Chelsea is is pointing out something here too that that I want want to mention like um, we didn't have all the answers. It wasn't laid out plain and simple to us. Here's part A, part B, part C. Um, it was basically, this is what I'm calling you to do. Go do it. Um, and I remember having conversations with people and they're like, well, you got family down there, right? And I was like, no. And they're like, well, what, what kind of job do you have? I'm like, I don't have any job. Um, and I remember one lady at church, um, was like, you're moving your whole family down there and you don't even have a job. Like what kind of man are you? Um, and I remember, and what's awesome about all this is I had, there's a good friend of mine, his name's Ryan, and he was on staff at the church with me. And he told me when I started this process, he said, people are not going to understand what you're doing. When you start following the, the will of the Lord without any strings attached, people don't understand that because it doesn't make sense to them. And so you're going to have people say things to you that are just absolutely, outlandish. Um, you're going to have people that maybe in love, quote unquote, are going to say things that don't line up with what God's called you to do. Um, and he said, but just hold tight to the fact that God has called you to this. Um, and so conversations like that, I can remember coming home and you and I sitting in the bed. And I'm like, can you believe what so-and-so said to me today? And, um, but he, uh, Ryan was so true. Like, you know, when God calls you to do something, it's radical. It, it, it goes against the grain of society. And that's what we were doing. And so literally like, yeah, I was trying to find a job down here, but it just wasn't working out. Um, but that didn't mean that we weren't supposed to move. We were still called to move to Elberton, Georgia. Well, I think sometimes God wants us to do that. I think he wants us to jump in blindly. And it seemed like this whole time with the ministry, like we we're like, oh yeah, you know, we're making sacrifices and we're doing stuff for ministry. And it was kind of like, you know, when you play a game as a kid and you got the blindfold on and you're sitting there with someone kind of guiding you and your hands are out. And it seemed like that's what we were doing the whole time. But there was still a lot of safety. Um, 
but at, at this point we had literally walked up to the cliff and said all right here we go and we took a deep breath and we just jumped we had no idea what was going to be at the bottom and uh and god was there the whole time and he just kept providing and it's all worked out i mean when you're on this side of things looking back it's like wow i mean one it was a wild ride it was crazy and hectic and chaotic but at the same time like i i know for me like i felt peace the whole time it was kind of scary and there was times where satan would get in my head and like i'm i'm a control freak and so and i'm a planner and so like knowing like we're doing this stuff without knowing what the next few weeks is going to hold was terrifying but there was still this piece of like this is what we're supposed to do yeah so uh we get down here and uh eventually i get a job working at uh with the georgia state park system and and that was an awesome provision from the lord um but i want to talk about like even though we jumped and and chelsea just said god was right there with us the whole time he was but that does not mean that it did not come with hardships uh, one thing I want to make clear is um, when you make a big leap of faith with God like this, uh, there's going to be people that are going to be kind of in your corner and they're going to um, love on you and help you with the transition. Uh, but there comes a time. So we moved two hours away from anything we knew to a place that we knew nobody. Um, and so the first six months, I remember Chelsea still like we were going down roads like we would just in the evenings, get in the car and ride because we're like, who, where's this road go? Oh, where's this road go? Like we, we had no, (laughs) they all go nowhere. (laughs) We had no clue about anything. I mean, we, we didn't know anything. We knew our house and we knew the road out in front of our house and we knew how to get to town. Other than that, we didn't know anything. So it was just like discovery. I remember you saying like, I still feel like I'm on vacation, like, cause we're still discovering new things. And so for the like first six months, like it was, it was like kind of like euphoric of like, Ooh, something new every day. We get to try something new every day. Um, but eventually, uh, you know, people from back home quit, quit calling as much, quit asking as much. Um, and we began to find out that, okay, now that the newness has wore off and now that all of our friends, I mean, they're still our friends, but they're not checking in with us on like a multiple time weekly basis or anything like that. Um, eventually that, you know, distance just starts to fade things away, which is, is, is natural, like nothing against them. It, it's on us too. But we began to realize that like, we kind of felt like we we're on this island by ourselves. Um, and there were some struggles with that. There were struggles in our marriage at Chelsea. I remember you, you were fighting depression and, and some anxiety and saying, I just want to go back because that's where my friends are. And, and you had a sense of community there. And there was, you didn't have a sense of community here. We did dive into a church here, uh, which has been an amazing blessing to us. Um, but the thing about it is, within about eight months of being here, Corona hit. Um, and so that's something that, you know, all of a sudden we had eight months of trying to learn new people and figure out who we were and what we were doing here. And then Corona hit and the whole world shut down. There's definitely a sense of culture shock, um, especially on my end, because I came from, you know, I was a stay at home mom that had a really tight mom's group. And so we were getting together weekly for play dates and uh, once a month for mom's night out. And so I had that connection there that was just kind of this release for me. And um, and then we just had, even right down the road, I could take the kids to a playground and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden we're like here and our house is incredible and we have this amazing property, but 
the culture is completely different. And every, all the moms here work. There's hardly any stay-at-home moms. Um, there's no moms groups. There's no, like there's hardly any ladies nights. I mean, sometimes the church would do something. Um, and it got to the point where I felt like, okay, I, I need this so bad. I'm going to start like hosting things. And I was able to host a few of them and they went really well until like you said, Corona hit. And when, when COVID hit, it would just shut everything down. Um, and so that's, I know for me, like that's when depression really hit in because it was like, oh my goodness, there's nothing to do here. There's no playgrounds to take my kids to. Like we're just stuck in this house 24 seven. I have no friends. I have no family. Um, and it was a huge struggle. Yeah. I mean, and for me, like I would get up, I would go to work, I'd come home and be home and I'd get up and I'd go to work. There was no like going to hang out with friends. There was no um, you know, trying to discover new things, new restaurants in the community and anything like that. Like all we knew was our house and my job at the state park, which is still in the middle of nowhere. And so we, we felt very isolated. And so even though God has been right here with us and we know for a fact, God has called us to this, that doesn't mean that there's not hurdles along the way. Um, and that's one thing Chelsea and I both had to like, just hold tight to was like, has God called us to this? And the, the answer without question was yes. Um, but that didn't mean it made it easy. That didn't mean it was, you know, all unicorns and rainbows throughout the whole thing. Um, there was definitely some struggles and those struggles even bled over into, we began remodeling the bunkhouse, um, in February of, of 2019. And, uh, we had finished the respite room and, and that was great. And we had begin remodeling the bunkhouse. So we began having a work weekend uh, for the bunkhouse, and that was in February of 2020. Um, and that was great. We had them come in, and they were uh, framing walls and putting plywood on the walls and helping us get things rolling. And we got a ton done that weekend. Uh, but then come March, Corona hits uh, and shuts everything down from 2020 on. And I can remember sitting there going, man, I had planned like five or six work weekends. And my plan was to have this bunkhouse up and running by that fall. Um, and that just was not reality. Uh, and it got down to the point where I told Chelsea, I'm like, well, we got to keep moving. And so Chelsea and I got in there and started busting our butt and, and kind of doing everything our own ourselves. We were framing walls. We were putting siding up. We were, we did everything. Um, we did have a couple of a local people that came uh, on a very small scale basis, maybe two or three guys here or there, uh, come help us with specific needs. You know, Billy came and helped us uh, a lot with framing the roof and pouring the slab and stuff like that. And that was an awesome blessing. Um, but it was not, not moving to the pace that I was expecting um, it was not my vision. My vision was we're going to get down here. We're going to move. We're going to get this done. And fall of 2020, we're going to be able to start hosting events. And that just didn't happen. And not only was the timing of everything just slow motion and frustrating, but then the financial side, because it seemed like as soon as COVID did hit, the prices of material and lumber just skyrocketed. And so what we had in our mind, like we just had this expectation, which seems to be the one thing that we struggle with. Um, so we had an expectation of the timing of it all, and we had an expectation of the financial side. And not only that, but the very first project we did was went ahead and finished off the respite room, that one master bedroom that um, had its own entryway. And so we were expecting to have pastors and missionaries in that room. Um, and with COVID, that wasn't really happening. And so it was just like, what is going on? Like we moved our entire family down here. We gave up everything. And we're not doing ministry like we're just 
building. Like we were now construction workers. Like that's what this has turned into. Um, but I'll tell you with the financial side, like it was pretty incredible because even though it is now like double the cost of what we were expecting it to be, um, the fundraising process was just, I mean, it was perfect. We would, we would announce a project on Facebook or social media, and we would say how much that, that specific project was going to cost. And we began just asking for donations for that one project. And so we just literally took a step at a time. Um, and so it seemed like we, we did studs and so people could, uh, sponsor a stud. And so like once we got all the studs sponsored, then we went ahead and made that purchase and posted what the next fundraiser was going to be and started fundraising for that while we put up the studs and it literally like flowed perfectly. I mean, God provided what we needed financially for each step of the way. And, um, and I mean, we ended up building this thing debt free. Yeah. I mean, God, again, the only issue we had was our expectations. God knew Corona was going to happen from day one. He knew the moment, like from the foundations of the earth, that when he called us down here, Corona was going to come. It didn't catch him off guard. And so we, we've had to learn to break our mold of expectations and just literally lean into God and say, all right, God, what do you want? And in reality, the blessing of Corona was we did a project that if we did it our way, we would be in debt to the bank right now. Um, the ministry would have a financial burden in which it has to uphold on a monthly basis as it sits now. Um, we have a, a bunkhouse and we don't owe anything on it. Um, and the, the thing about it is too, is we couldn't have hosted people during Corona anyways. So we would have had a bank note that we had to pay every month and nobody would be able to come and, and utilize the space in which we built. So God had an amazing plan and that amazing plan incorporated instead of us just going to the bank and getting a loan, he brought the body of Christ together to help fund and help with skill sets to come build this thing. Um, and the internal impact that will be made by those donors and those people that came and, and helped us on small scale basis is, is what's amazing and what is really cool about how God uses things and works for his glory at all times. I mean, it was just one thing after another that, that kept blowing our minds just as the whole project unfolded. And uh, one of my favorite stories was with the roof. Um, when I had just posted on social media that we were raising funds to get the metal roofing and um, David Isbell, who married us, he was at that time working at a roofing company, which you didn't even know. Um, and so he was following us on Facebook. Actually, his wife was following us on Facebook and she called him up and was like, Hey, guess what MA needs? And, uh, they, they knew about the ministry, like they were super supportive of us. And so she called him up and when was having that conversation with him, well, lo and behold, his boss was also MA's baseball coach back in high school. And so he, David's sitting there on the phone with his wife and has her on speakerphone and she drops the name M.A. Dozier. And so at that exact same time, his baseball coach, his former baseball coach was walking by the room and heard the name M.A. Dozier and was like, hey, M.A. Dozier. And so the two of them had this conversation and within maybe 20 minutes of me posting this post, you then got a phone call saying uh, from David 
well, actually it was both of them, right? Both of them on speakerphone. And they said that they wanted to provide all the roofing and it was going to be shipped to us within like a couple of weeks. Um, and so we ended up with all of the roofing, um, (laughs) free of charge. I mean, it was just, just like that. Like one thing after another, God provided everything. And, and that, that's the thing. And that, that's the human nature is like, we're talking about all these things that God provided. And while we're sitting there going like, man, this is awesome. Like, God, you're so good. In my own heart, I was still, you know, I was like, okay, cool. He provided the roofing, but we still have so much more to go, so much more to do. And I was getting bogged down with the time frame of it all. I was like, man, we should already be done. I can remember we took a little mini vacation, like a long weekend down to Charleston, North Carolina, or Charleston, South Carolina, and was hanging out with my parents. And I remember walking along the beach, and I just told my dad, I was like, I am so frustrated. I was like, I just, I feel like we are not moving forward to the pace that we need to move forward at. And I remember my dad was like, hey, I want you to go back and read the story in Genesis of Noah and the ark. And I'm like, I already know that story. Like, why don't you go read it? He said, just go read it. So I went back and I read it, and uh, I remember I got back with him. I'm like, okay, I read it. What do you want? He said, how long did it take Noah to build the ark? Um, And it it took him 40 years to build the ark. And uh, he said, can you imagine God's called you to to run this ministry? What if it took 40 years? Um, And I I was like, no, absolutely not. And I couldn't comprehend that. But my dad made it clear to me that like God's timing is perfect. And so it took Noah 40 years to build an ark, and that was God's perfect timing. And so his perfect timing for the ministry of Nimrod Outdoors is, well, we still don't know. But the goal is here is to continue to take one step at a time, following after Jesus as closely as you can, because he's going to bring glory to his name through all circumstances. One of the cool aspects, too, is just the people we got to meet along the way uh, between a concrete driver that got to come and uh, pour concrete for the addition we did. And we got to talk with with her about uh, the gospel of Christ and just what the ministry was and all that. We got to talk with truck drivers. We got to talk with a bunch of lumber providers at Home Depot and, and all over the place. And so through every step of the way, my goal was to build a bunkhouse. But God's way was to continue to bring glory to his name, even in the process of pouring concrete or even in the process of going to buy two by four studs. Um, And that's one thing I think we need to come to understand is God is in the business of making his his name wonderful and, and bringing glory to his name in every circumstance, even if it's not what we expect or what we want. And that's definitely changed our heart and our vision for the ministry. Like, um, I mean, we're still pursuing Nimrod Outdoors and we're still pursuing men and in their role as spiritual leaders in the home. And that's what we're doing right now. But I think we're also very open to the idea of we're here for ministry and God told us to build this facility and that's what we've done, but we are going to use it for his glory. And that is our main purpose. We're not here to lift up Nimrod Outdoors. Like we are here to lift up the kingdom of Christ. And, um, and so I think through that process, it was, it was hard and challenging, but I think he opened our eyes to like, this is the vision. And at any time he could say no more Nimrod and this is what's next. Um, and so we're okay with that. Yeah, I think that's that's the that's the point of complete surrender that we have to get ourselves to is we are here and we are created for God's glory. 
And so the minute we start trying to put ourselves or some ministry in which we have um, basically, I'm not going to say ownership of, but um, leadership in, the moment we start putting that on a pedestal above God's will and God's glory, um, we need to get torn down. And so Chelsea's exactly right. We've had many conversations of, you know, the minute God tells us to go do something different, that's what we're going to go do. Um, and, and that's a hard conversation to have because, I mean, he could come to us tomorrow and say, hey, it's time to pack up and it's time to go here. Um, and we spent all this time down here trying to build the foundation of something. And his plan may be that someone else runs that ministry. Um, and our his plan for us is to go somewhere else. Um, but our goal is every day waking up and saying, Lord, what do you want for me today? And taking that next step in that direction. Um, and the next day, whatever step he asks for us, we take. Um, and honestly, that doesn't mean that you're not supposed to have any plans or any aspirations. Um, I believe that God lays passion and, and plans in your heart. Um, and I, I think that's what pushes you further to seek the kingdom of God. And that's kind of where we are now. I mean, I'm still working a full-time job outside of the ministry. Uh, Chelsea is um, working as the administrator here, but not getting paid uh, for anything she does for here at the ministry. And our heart would be that we can get enough funding that we could do this full-time. But reality is we're just not there yet. And we are not going to put the ministry in a financial burden that it can't uphold just because of our wants and needs. And so I'm continuing to work full time with active prayer that, Hey, God, will you provide the funds to make this work the way we want it or the way that we see it working? Um, but in reality, if, if he wants me to work a full time job outside of the ministry, um, then that's what we're going to do. Um, that's hard for me to say. I don't even like saying that because, I, you know, I, I want to do this ministry full time with everything I got, but at the end of the day, if it's not God's will, we need to be happy in pursuing what God has for us. Um, and so this past year though, has been amazing where we actually got to kick off the ministry of Nimrod outdoors here in Elberton, Georgia. And, uh, we were able to host, I think eight different weekends. We had 15 different dads come through Chelsea. You hosted your first ever women's fishing event, um, with seven different ladies coming and they got to hear the gospel of Christ and hear that they matter in his kingdom and that, that they are royalty. Uh, we were able to do a men's retreat. Uh, we actually even had a couple pastors come down, uh, stay with us. We did a fishing trip with one pastor. Um, we had another couple pastors from North Carolina come down just for a day. And we, we took them out, uh, shooting clays and did a lunch with them and all that. And so we have been able to do ministry. Um, and partly that's because of all of our donors and all the people that have believed in us. Um, but at the end of the day, what I'm going to tell you right now matters. And what I was told sitting in, in our lead pastor's office was just get started. And so the key here is, you know, if you've been given a passion and you've been given a vision of something, what I'm going to ask you to do is just get started. Just take that first step in moving toward Christ and what he has called you to. Forget about all the expectations. I, I feel like, especially here in the West, we get so, so focused on, well, it's got to be a full-time ministry if it's going to be ministry at all. I'm going to tell you what right now, Chelsea and I are running a full-time ministry and we're not getting paid a dime for it. Um, and it's a lot, it's a lot of work. Um, but we continue to do it because that's what God has called us to. And so my challenge to you is 
just take that next first step in saying, hey, what does this look like? I, I can't tell you how many times I've had men come up to me and say, man, how did you start this? How did you get started? Um, and I'm like, man, we just we just did it. We just got a couple of dads together. I mean, think about from part one, our story of like, we got property and I said, this is what we're gonna do. And we just invited dads. It was very rudimentary. Uh, it was not the Ritz Carlton or anything like that. I mean, a block building with no heat one night. Um, but that's how we got started and look at how far God's brought us to. Um, and, and it's amazing to see God's provision through it all, even though we have a hard time with our expectations. Um, uh, just one, you have to drop your expectations and know like your heart has to be for the kingdom and not for your own gain. Um, and as soon as you can do those things, then like you're going to have a successful ministry and you just have to understand like success isn't how many people come through or how much money um, your ministry makes. But success is like if you, you know, have five guys that you're able to pour into over the course of 10 years and even one of them comes to know the Lord, like that's success. So again, like Take those steps. If you feel that passion, like Emma said, and God's calling you to something, begin taking those steps and do ministry um, and drop all expectations of what the outcome is or what to you success is, because it's all success in God's eyes. Absolutely. And Chelsea nailed, nailed it. You know, success is not we need to get away from success being driven as numbers or by finances. Our success comes to the point of how well did we glorify the name of God? And if we did that well, um, we're doing ministry and we're doing well, doing ministry successfully. And so um, that's basically kind of the end of our story. And I hope you got to see bits and pieces um, of our vulnerability as far as where we stand on things and and how God's had to mold us over the course of the past eight years and, and where we are today. And I pray you hear that we haven't made it yet, and we are continuing to push and continuing to take that next step. Uh, we are just in the middle of the process of what it means to follow after God and and have a ministry to bring glory to His name. Um, we don't have all the answers, uh, but I hope that there's something, um, if you're anywhere in this process, there's something you heard over these past two episodes that just can give you encouragement um, and also give you maybe an aha moment of like, okay, that is something that I desperately need or I need to do. Um, and I, I hope that the Lord can speak through our story, uh, through the Dozer story and the story of Nimrod Outdoors. Um, and please, uh, if you're listening to this um, and you have any questions, please let us know. We'd love to talk to you. Um, again, our heart is to continue to build the kingdom. And so if we can help out other ministries just with encouragement or advice, we would love to do that. But thank you guys for listening. Um, it has been an awesome time being able to kind of tell the story of Nimrod and also just uh, be able to talk about how good our God is and the provision and his His just plan and will for our lives. And so we hope you all have a great week. And uh, remember, as always, stay humble, stay focused, and keep pressing forward. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Nimrod Outdoors, find us on Facebook or look us up at nimrodoutdoors.com. We hope you have a great day and we hope to see you next time.